It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. We're putting our focus on the franchise of the Detroit Lions here on the Franchise Focus Podcast Series at FantasyPoints.com. And the Fantasy Points Podcast as we continue breaking down all 32 NFL teams throughout the month of July and into August. My name is Joe Dolan, and they've joined me for each and every podcast so far. That's Tom Brawley and Graham Barfield. We're going to be talking Detroit Lions today. Guys, I don't think it, it it's really much uh, controversy here to say that the Detroit Lions are in the, a multi-year rebuilding process. That's a mm-hmm. very gentle way of saying they are going to absolutely stink this year. Uh, I think they know they're going to stink this year, and they're okay with that. So good, good on you, Detroit Lions. But if you guys want to hear more about these podcasts, remember to subscribe to the podcast feed because we're doing one for all 32 teams. But we're also releasing companion articles for all 32 teams that give you like dozens of time, times more information than these podcasts do. We usually only cover one or two angles with 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 the teams here uh and tom brawley is also re- re- uh releasing companion betting previews where he's going to look at the betting markets for these teams and give his best bets and his leans remember he was eight and oh on win totals last year for his best bets so i would consider uh following tom brawley on win totals this year tom win totals for the detroit lions the markets are not optimistic no not at all ga- I gotta ask, do you think Dan Campbell knows that this is a multi-year rebuild? He's he wants oh, to go yeah. out and bite kneecaps. I mean, <laughs> well, you know, I, I think he just wants to, you know, I don't know. I think I think deep down he does, but like yeah. I don't think a coach is gonna go out there on Sunday being like, well, you know, it's okay if we lost. Like I I, I no. never expect a coach to think that that, especially him. But I think Brad Holmes, the new general manager, knows exactly what's at stake here. You know, the season win total, guys. Tom, Tom, it's five with juice to the under minus one twenty two in a seventeen game season. Yikes! Plus two thousand to win the NFC North, plus five seventy five to make the playoffs. I mean, plus sixty six hundred to win the NFC, plus fifteen thousand uh, to to win the Super Bowl. I mean, it's the longest odds on the board, but you're throwing your money away, Tom. I mean, this these are the numbers of a team that is expected to stick. Yeah, they're somehow not the worst in the league. The uh, Texans own that honor. I mean, uh, it takes a, a special kind of bad to be below five wins in a, a seventeen game uh, seventeen game season for the first time. So, uh, and the odds they have gotten a little bit worse as the summer has gone along. Yeah, it was plus ten thousand at the beginning of the off season. You know, that was they, they did the Matthew Tr- Stafford trade before the Super Bowl there. So, you know, it, it's been known for a while here, but. Uh, you know, it's very clear that this is going to be a big time rebuild. The only, I mean, the only guy they signed to a multi-year contract who was, you know, not one of their own free agents was Jamal Williams at running back. So, uh, and, and the Texans basically did the same kind of thing. They were just all one year contracts, keep the books free, uh, collect picks, collect assets. This is going to be a multi-year deal. So, uh, Jamal Williams, the only guy with a, a multi-year contract. They're, this is going to be a major overhaul over the next couple yeah. of years. You know, the one thing I will say, though, um, if, if we're looking for a reason to be somewhat optimistic for this team for fantasy, and by the way, 
people are not optimistic about this team for fantasy. The only gu- the only guy going two guys essentially going within the first ten rounds of fantasy drafts are DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson. I think Hawkinson for obvious reasons. He's by far the most accomplished receiver on this team. Um, and the that's going to lead me, Graham, though, to what's going to be the discussion of the podcast. Tom mentioned it. Jamal Williams was the only outside free agent to sign a multi-year deal with the Detroit Lions this offseason. Anthony Lynn's comments are scaring the shit out of <laughs> fantasy players because, you know, fantasy players in general, I think people who follow the NFL – view Anthony Lynn as kind of a square, uh, somebody who can't get out of his own way. Um, you know, like, like th- this is a guy who got, if he even broke even, or even a little less than broke even on close games, he'd still be the head coach of the Chargers. And it wasn't bad luck. I mean, these were self-inflicted wounds, and now he's calling plays for what's going to be a bad football team. He is going to be, as the offensive coordinator, he's going to be working in the rotation in the backfield. Graham, I've got to be honest, as somebody who is keeping DeAndre Swift as a fourth rounder in my long-term keeper league, where I haven't won the damn thing in 13 years, I'm I'm sick and tired of being on this drought. This is scaring the living hell out of me. Look, I love DeAndre Swift. I actually like Jamal Williams. I like Williams as a player, but I I just... I, I. there is, I just can't see a way that we're not going to be banging our heads against a wall with how Anthony Lynn uses these two guys. Please talk me off the ledge or give me a push. That's yeah. all I'm asking. Yeah, when I was uh, when I was writing up the pace and tendencies for our article on the Lions, I, I spent like a couple of hours digging deep into like you know Anthony Lynn's history as a coach, and you know I think we talked about this this offseason with with Kaplan. He's only called plays once. In 21 years of his NFL career, as a coach, he's only called plays once. He was a running back coach early in his career, but the only time he's ever called plays is in 2016. That was after Greg Roman got fired in week two, and the Bills were kind of on the last legs with the Rex Ryan tenure there. But yeah, in that year, Lynn was basically the most run-heavy coach adjusting for game script in the NFL. Granted, Tyrod Taylor was there. You know, Taylor's always been attached to very run-heavy teams. Jared Goff is not as near as mobile as Tyron Taylor that goes without saying, but yeah, Lynn was extremely run heavy. Um, and he spent all off season talking about how run heavy he wants to be. Um, you know, there's a quote from February where he was, uh, it was a couple weeks after he got hired and he said, you know, Hey, we got to have an emphasis on running the ball. Uh, you got to be balanced and you got to be, you know, have a balanced attack in your approach. And that's our intention. I, I think, you know, Lynn gets a lot of deserved crap for, uh, just the way he managed games with the Chargers. I mean, they have a, a very good roster, and they literally fired him because they don't think – they didn't think Lynn was was good enough to take him to that next level. That being said, I think this run game is going to be sick. I mean, they have a great offensive line, mm-hmm. top 10 offensive It's the line. best unit on, on, on the team by far. I mean, It's not even close. Yeah. Like, it, I, I think they're, they're going to be able to run the ball and run the ball effectively. Uh, the problem – with this team right now, we talked about it a little bit with their win total. Is I mean, how many top twelve, top fifteen running backs do we see every year on like three to four win teams? And I went and looked at this. Like their start of their schedule is freaking brutal, man. They get the Niners, Packers, Ravens. So if the Packers have Rodgers, I mean that's your first three games. You're probably <laughs> losing. Then they play the Bears, the Vikings, Bengals, and Rams. Uh, and then they got the Steelers and Browns in the middle of the season. I mean, it's just – it's a really tough, sl- like, opening eight games for this team. And I could see them coming out one and six. And 
I don't know, man. I, I really don't have a great read like on Swift. Yeah. Like I was he in May he was going in the second round, right? Yeah. Now he's going in like the mid third, which is a much I mean, better it, and fair price, but it's right. still like there's a lot of great receivers in that range. I mean, but this is a guy we know who can produce, Graham. I mean, down yeah. the stretch and not even down the stretch. After week six last year, this guy was like a top twelve fantasy running back. As a matter of fact, uh from week six on, he was RB ten in fantasy points per game, and he was a top twenty four running back in seven of those nine games. I mean, this guy was mm-hmm. in your lineup and he was producing. Look, I like Jamal Williams. I remember Tom talking earlier mm-hmm. in the offseason. He's like, I hope the Steelers right. sign this guy. Yeah. Like, I still wish they would have. They could have used a yeah. first-round pick on damn offensive linemen. And <laughs> not that I don't think Najee Harris is going to be good, but oh, I would have loved to see Jamal Williams in black and gold. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys who's got like kind of that infectious playing personality. He's just fun to watch. Mm-hmm. He was a fan favorite in Green Bay. And I remember we were just sitting there and was like, you know, I'm really interested to see where Jamal Williams goes in free agency. And as soon as he went to Detroit, we were like, no, no, not there. Please, not there. Go anywhere else. And uh, look, I'm – I think Swift's price is kind of fair. I have to admit I've been looking over him for some receivers in the third round of best ball drafts thus far. Um, Maybe that's that's, a mistake. That's the thing, Joe. We just talked about the Cowboys. I mean, you've got to draft, you know, Swift over Cooper and Lamb and, and all those guys. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, I, you look at them. The times I've really been looking at them is, you know, if I go with, a you know, a Kelsey in the first round or a receiver yep. and – uh, I kind of need to get a running back there in the third round, but because there's so many good options at, at receiver in there, and it, it's I've usually drafted a running back in those first two rounds, so uh, that's usually the kind of the team build that I have to have some sort of receiver heavy build in the first two rounds to really get interested in Swift. But uh, yeah, you're, you guys are right. The, the offensive line is the one area where you know they could have some potential success. They drafted. Uh, Penny Soul, and uh, they have Taylor De- Decker and Frank Ragnow coming back, and uh, you know interesting prospects in Jonah Jackson and uh, Haloti Vitai. Uh, is, did I get, did I get that right? Halapulavati. Yeah, I'm not going to try that. <laughs> Tom, do you know Tom? They call him Big V. Big V. That's <laughs> that's why. Big Halep- v for a reason. Halapulavati <laughs> Vitai. Yeah, which is a which act, it it does roll off the tongue when you know how to say it. Uh, who? Yeah, like I, I think he's moving to guard this year. By the way, um, he, they signed him he to is. be a yes, right he is. They'll have Decker yeah. and Sol, Decker at left tackle. Yeah, Sol, Sol yeah, was the kind of the plan at, at, at the tackle position. So, um, you know, it, it it's going to be a you know potentially a, a top ten, top five type of unit. But the question is, can their defense keep them in games to? you know, you know, keep games close enough where they can continue to run the ball yeah. with Swift and Jamal Williams. And that, that's a huge question. And here's yeah. the problem with Williams. Like this isn't an Adrian Peterson thing where like, they're going to like stubbornly just give him the early carries. And, but you know, he's a zero as a receiver. Jamal Williams is not a zero as a receiver. He's a good pass protector. I know he's coming off a uh, pro football focus. Like, you know, they grade running backs and pass protection. By grade, he's coming off his worst season there. I don't read a whole lot into that, Graham, because I feel like running backs in pass protection can be noisy if you're trying to put a grade on them. But this is a guy who, I mean, from a rookie on, has been trusted to be a pass protector for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. So that's the problem when I look at Jamal Williams, where you're saying, well, you know, if they're playing from behind, they really are going to want to get DeAndre Swift out there as a receiver. Are we 100% sure of that? Because 
those are the situations where the Packers played Jamal Williams because he's so good in short yardage and he's good as a pass protector and he's he's a good receiver. He's not a, he's not explosive in the way DeAndre Swift is, but he's right. good in that regard. And we've seen it time and time and again because this is a guy who's produced like RB1 level numbers when he's had to take the lion's share of snaps in the backfield when Aaron Jones is unavailable. So the fact that Williams has this well-rounded skill set, Graham, is why I'm so leery about Swift. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, you know, when I was watching Williams coming out of college, he, he kind of, you know, there's always like different tiers of pass blocking backs coming out. Yeah. Like there's guys that are just like rock solid, no matter what, like they just, they get their feet in the right spot, they square up and they execute. But, you know, Williams was always like, even though he might've allowed some pressure, he was always like extremely willing as a pass blocker. And we saw that Mm -hmm. in green Bay. And this is, you know, kind of once we get to the Packers, this is one of the reasons I'm higher on Aaron Jones is because Jamal Williams did take a lot of those passing down snaps. He took, you know, he took pass blocking snaps. He took a few targets away. And I think that's a legitimate concern uh, with this backfield on top of like Tom said, on top of the defense. So yeah, it's, 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 Swift is such an interesting conundrum because there's so many different ways you could kind of analyze it and pick yeah. and poke holes into his profile. Yeah, the good thing is their defense is going to stink. And, you know, maybe that, you know, the, there are going to sure. be more passing situations than than normal for, you know, a, a better team. So uh, just we just hope that it's, you know, more like a, you know, 60-40 split in Swift's favor uh, mm-hmm. or like a 70-30 split, somewhere in that range instead of like a 50-50 split like – you know, like it, it very well could be because, yeah. uh, you know, he was clearly the one guy they covered it, coveted in free agency. If you guys remember, that was that was a signing like the day that free agency started. It was kind of surprising. And uh, I thought, you know, because a lot of times running back markets, they develop really slowly. <laughs> you know, yep. uh, these guys kind of last out there. You know, we're seeing it with Todd Gurley's, you know, very obviously a different player at at this stage of the game, but you know, the running back free agency market usually develops really slowly. And he was a guy that was signed within the first day or two uh, of opening. So they clearly have big plans to get him involved. And I think it's when you look at the way the roster is constructed, I mean, Jared Goff's your quarterback, you know, that's going to be short to intermediate area. And, and I think they decided we're going to try to, I guess, be as competitive as possible by essentially trying to run the clock out on the other teams. We know that doesn't necessarily work, but you know, I think that's what their plan is, and they're going to use these first-round picks that they have, you know, starting next year. In with, They have two first-round picks in each of the next two seasons. One of them's going to be high because we know the Lions are going to stink, um, and they can maybe build up receiver, get a new quarterback as well with those picks. But, you know, it's a long-term plan for the Lions. Uh, they do have some guys who are appealing for fantasy guys, but uh, it, I don't think it's going to be a terribly fun year in Detroit. I, I don't think Lions fans should get too excited, despite the fact that they have some players we do really like. So that'll break it uh, down for in full for the Detroit Lions. Well, if you want it broken down in full with breakdowns on their receivers and their tight ends and Goff himself, go to fantasypoints.com, check out the franchise focus article, which is launching with this podcast. So it's up there already for you to go and read if you're a subscriber at fantasypoints.com. If you sign up at fantasypoints.com and you don't have an account already, you get a free 24-hour trial period so you can check out all the stuff that's coming down the line this month of July and into August when obviously the money is made so for Graham Barfield at Graham Barfield on Twitter at Tom Brawley on Twitter I'm at FG underscore Dolan on Twitter my name's Joe by the way at fantasy PTS 
on Twitter if you want to follow the website and get all the the updates. This has been a wonderful week of franchise focus here at FantasyPoints.com. We'll be back next week to start talking about the Indianapolis Colts and other teams. I'm excited, and I hope you'll join us. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. Fantasy Points.